Greetings, PVIC. Welcome to the Post Church Podcast, a time where we reflect on the Sunday sermon and answer some practical questions. My name is Neil, and I'm here with Pastor Sean and Pastor Billy. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we have got together for this podcast, so welcome back. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Yeah, and uh, so we are still continuing in the King and Kingdom series, uh, but with that we are now in the month of December, which is the beginning of the season of Advent. Yeah, Advent. Neil, before we go any further, I think it would probably be beneficial for all the folks who are listening if you told us a little bit about what Advent is. I know our church has been really mm-hmm. blessed um, this week and last week from what you have been sharing um, in these what we've called Christmas portions. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Advent? All right. So uh, Advent is uh, basically, it's the first, well, not the first, it's the season of December, basically the first four weeks in the season of December, um, historically in a church calendar, which is dedicated to the anticipation, the arrival, or the advent of Jesus of Nazareth. So Advent, basically, um, it is taken from the Latin word called Adventus, which means the coming, the arrival of uh, the higher one, which is Jesus Christ. So um, everywhere in the world, this is, this is celebrated as, you know, um, the coming of Christ. Uh, it is observed from December 3rd through uh, December 24th, and which basically is the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas Day. Um, so there are the four weeks that we are in. There are specific themes that go along the four weeks. So uh, the first week, uh, we went over hope. Second week was, well, the today, which is peace. Uh, the third week will be of joy. And the fourth week, of love. Um, so this basically the first week we went over the hope, which is uh, we're reflecting on the, um, the hope that is the anticipation of someone greater uh, that's coming. So we go through the first uh, week is of the prophecies. So we go back, I mentioned in the Old Testament, we go through the prophecies that are mentioned in Isaiah. Uh, the one start, the particular one is in Isaiah 8 and 9, where uh, in historical context we'd say, you know, it's at that time where there was like unrest and wars and a lot of things going on in Israel. And it was one of the lowest points. And Isaiah at that point says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from Israel and I will <coughs> hope for him. And in this time, what he was mentioning, the hope, was not just any circumstance, but of a person, which is um, basically foreshadowing into Isaiah 9, where he talks about the hope, which is, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. Um, Basically, his, his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, and Father, and Prince of Peace, which we come to the second week which is he is the Prince of Peace, the Prince of uh, Shalom, basically. So um, the first week was more of the prophecy that foreshadows Christ. The second week is of peace, which shows the angelic, the heavenly visitations that God directly uh, comes down to uh, tell the humans, which in particular I mentioned in the today was 
was three. There's Joseph and Mary and then the shepherds. So we're going to dive into um, the Advent in the next two weeks as well, covering joy and love. Um, So stay tuned. So for the next couple of minutes, we will be going back into our regular scheduled program of the King and Kingdom series. Uh, So today we talked about chapter 12, verse 46 through 50, putting Jesus first. So, Pastor Billy, uh, go ahead and give us that summary. Um, Neil, you already did it, right? The summary is those two words, right? Oh, Jesus first. Thanks, Neil. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's really it, right? So this, this theme that is emerging in chapter 12, which is really a theme that has been emerging throughout the gospel of Matthew has been going through, is, is this prioritizing of a relationship with Jesus over all others, even, even f- when it comes to family ties, mm. and you know, I gave just the summary of that in two words for folks, you know, like me who can't remember anything, mm. in two words to just make that Jesus first. So um, there's this there's notion about about Mary and Jesus' brothers who come to engage Jesus in the narrative in the passage. And what we find is that they are revealed as, at that moment, outsiders. <clears throat> and while on the outside, on the outside of Jesus' mission, <coughs> excuse me, they um, express a certain level of confusion and concern. And although we see that in the arc of their narrative in, in the passage, that changes over time, but that's where they are right now. And we also see how familial bonds are in, in in some ways like secondary to that to the unity of spirit through faith in Christ um, and ultimately that Jesus proclaims that those who are doing God's will will become part of his family so this sort of emphasis on disciplined action uh, aligning with God's desires and putting Jesus first. All right. Thank you, Pastor Billy. So my first question, um, I know uh, you've mentioned this in the sermon. Um, this is one of the ideas you said um, of blood thicker than water. We hear that phrase a lot. And you mentioned that um, biblically, the water Jesus has to offer is actually thicker than blood. Um, so my question is uh, related to that. Um, wha- we see, uh, you know, we are to uh, see our church as the family, you know. Um, so why is it that s- some churches, we don't, there's no, like, we don't see the family um, bonding, like, or we say that you know, water thicker than blood, but when it comes to church, sometimes we stick with the families, and when we go home, we our family is our stronghold at the end of the day. Um, but in a church setting, in the congregation, as the church body of Christ, how do we tangibly see this, or how can we achieve this in that um, setting? Yeah, no, that's a it's a great question. Um. 
I mean, I think to start with, we think of this notion, we have, um, we have our families, right? We have our, we have our, you know, I think myself, I, I've, I've got my children and I relate to them rightly as, as, as their father, right? And they're my children. I see them as my children, but <clears throat> this idea of thinking about in terms of the kingdom, as I'm discipling them, that as they grow into a maturity of faith, that yeah, they are my children, but like for example, my son, he is will ultimately be my my brother in Christ. Right. Weird yeah, and and you know, just saying it out loud, <coughs> I think it's difficult at times for us to kind of wrap our minds and our, our hands around that sort of thinking, but it is it is true. It's true. Like at a fundamental level, that, that idea. So I think initially, right, personally, just as we start thinking about discipling our own families to start about thinking about that idea that, yeah, I've got about how the spiritual, the spiritual, the spiritual bond exists, not to like push it away or, you know, begin to acknowledge it maybe a little bit more in your own thinking. Okay, so that's the first step. Now, in the connection from there to fostering right and good and fruitful Christian community where that unity of the spirit is expressed tangibly, use that word tangibly, right? <clears throat> I think... When that's not happening, and, and there, there, there can be a multifaceted, complex reasons why that's not happening. But in terms of this specific example that I brought in terms of how you're discipling your family, I think at times part of the discipleship of your family must be also pushing and driving your family into Christian community into the context of Christian community. So if you view your sole responsibility in discipleship is that you're creating just a mini kingdom unto yourself, right? A mini discipleship group unto yourself. And then part of the discipleship process is not ushering your family into Christian community. Then you're not actually fully discipling your family properly. Where do you think the onus of responsibility falls when you're talking about that? That process of doing that? Yeah. Um, that's ultimately on it's ultimately on men. That's on that's right. on the, the, the fathers, right? Yeah, I would agree. That's as the as the as the head of the home, as those that are, you know, seeking to care for, right, and are actually Actually, function in a way as kind of the shepherd, if you will, of their family, right? Using that that methodology, right? They're shepherding, discipling, all these words, right? Um, <clears throat> that onus falls squarely uh, upon them, yeah. Upon us. Let me say that, right? Right. Um, and I think for for guys like you and you and I who have families, that that rings true, loud and clear. But I think for folks like Neil, or for others who don't necessarily have families, the impetus to do something like that can also, I mean, it's good in itself, mm. but it's also preparing 
for the family that's that's Correct. eventually going to come and being the right father and husband. Correct. Right. So if you as an individual, right, apart from a family, don't prioritize that same diving in or pushing into community to walk out your faith, then you will not be practiced in that so that when you have your family then you will do just you will do just that you will maybe you'll seek to disciple them on, onto your own but then there there will be no right. you real can't just turn that on yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's difficult to just kind of flip a switch and turn that on yeah um you just you're just um you create a habit of living this you know um living christianity out on an island or living living it you know that solo renegade sort of christian life and that's that's not what we see in scripture right yeah. and especially for how when the church is displayed it's mm. it's lived out together right you're looking even at scripture you're not looking at it in isolation right you're looking at it in thoughtful community right it's it's the way it's supposed to be designed so everything that you that you do right that pulls you away from that um, individually, ultimately, when you come into a family context, th- those things are going to carry over, right? So that's why it's important, even for those folks that aren't mm. in families right now, to understand why prioritizing that is is essential, right? What do you think are some of the practical obstacles that we deal with that would uh, hinder us from wanting to get into community? Uh, what are some of those barriers? I know, like, uh, there was a book by Neil Postman, like, years ago uh, called Entertaining Ourselves to Death. And it was all about, at that time, um, it was all about watching TV. Like, that's really all sure. it was. But n- now we're kind of in a state with, like, even shopping you can do from your home. So now we're in a state where we're... You can worship from home, too. You can worship from home, right? <laughs> can you? <laughs> can you? Yeah. Oh, well. Yes. Well, so they say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you can. We're really in want of nothing. Yeah. From a natural standpoint, compared to, you know, Acts two, mm. where they're gathering together yeah. and all their needs are being met by each other, and then in Hebrews ten, where it says, "Don't forsake the gathering uh, together of the saints." Right. So, what do you think are some of the challenges that that we face today that would um, hinder us from wanting to gather together. I think a deeper understanding of what you're talking about is key. Yeah, when you talk about, you know, being distracted and um, entertained culture, right, that's sort of seeping in, right? So we're just, if we take on the character of the culture, then we're going to be, distracted, divided, spread thin Mm -hmm. folks. Um, And then that just just does not leave the time, right? It doesn't leave the opportunity. Um, I mean, you think back to, if you look at this country, you think back, the the church functioned more as the center of community culturally. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not the case anymore. Seems more ancillary now. Yeah, right. It's just something yeah. that's just tacked on mm-hmm. nominal Christianity, right? All of that. Um but you you said something, right? You talked about um the first century church and the needs being met, right? Yeah. And that was a very real thing, right? They lived in community community together. <laughs> together and they 
they met each other's needs. So physically or um, financially or you know, th those kind of things, right, in, in many contexts, folks mm -hmm. don't have that necessarily need in that, don't, don't need in that sort of way. But I think in <coughs> emotional and sp in a spiritual sense, right, uh, and in a, in a connecting sort of sense, um, there's a real... People have the, have still have those needs. Just as much or more. Just right. as much or more. Yeah. Right? So to view and say that, well, because all my physical needs are met, you know, uh, I don't need to go and, you know, f dive into community because, you know, I got it. Yeah. I think, I think part of it is people mistake the fact that their physical needs are met for the fact that that means that their spiritual needs are met. Well and said. it's and that's not the case. Yeah. People are in need. And those God has designed the church to to be a place where people can come and in Christ those needs can be met. Um but yeah, there is a challenge with the way the the culture the thinking of the culture seeps into the thinking of those who are in and around the church and that that's a challenge. All right. Thank you, Pastor Billy and Pastor Sean. That was fruitful. Um, so going forth into the next week, um, what are some questions that we can uh, think about, Pastor Billy? So first, just thinking about how you might currently prioritize your relationships and commitments in life. And to just think about your decision-making processes, right? I think we all, depending on what stage of life we are, we're all m making decisions. Right? They may look different for all of us, depending on the stage of life we are at, but we're making decisions, right? So is Jesus at the forefront of your decision-making processes? That's question number one. Question two, in the sermon, we kind of talked about this concept of doing the will of God and that being sort of a key aspect of being part of the family of God. The second question would be, how would you describe your understanding of God's will? And how does that guide your, <coughs> excuse me, actions and decisions? And finally, as we've already talked about, reflecting on that idea that unity of spirit through faith um, is described as, you know, thicker than blood relationships. So to think in, in what ways... Do you experience the bond of faith and fellowship with other believers as stronger or deeper than biological relationships? Uh, it may not be in every respect, but are there respects in which you do experience that? And, and what are those? It might be fruitful to stop and pause and think about what those might be. Thank you, Pastor Billy. I want to end with uh, the last verse of uh, for the sermon. Matthew twelve fifty. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Um, so thank you, Pastor Billy, for um, the answers. Um, as we go forward this week, let us uh, keep Jesus first in our lives. And until next Sunday, let us strive to live all of life to the glory of God. <laughs>